This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. Welcome to the Project Upland Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting. We plan to take you into some of our favorite bird covers as we talk to the people that hunt them and the organizations that support them. We'll also break down the dogs, guns, and gear used to pursue them, and of course, we'll share the stories that celebrate this American tradition. It's one of those things that you do that, that feels timeless. My dad brought home our first Brittany when I was about 10 years old. The Red Gods are calling, and I must go. These are your stories. This is the Project Upland Podcast, presented by Onyx Hunt. On this episode, we're joined by Zach Hine from CZ USA to design our ideal Upland bird gun. Welcome back to the show for episode number 104. Project Upland Podcast is presented by Onyx Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Use the promo code PUP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription today. Falls right around the corner. I hope you all are digital scouting via Onyx and finding lots of new spots to check out later this year. Know where you stand with Onyx Hunt. And by Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food. Out in the field, how you prepare determines how you'll perform. With balanced fat and protein to support peak condition in your bird dog, Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food enhances strength, energy, and endurance. So when that tailgate finally drops, you and your dogs are ready for anything. Strong, focused, ready for anything. That is a Yukonuba dog. And by CZ USA Shotguns shotguns designed with the upland hunter in mind you're going to hear a whole lot more about them today including a couple of new offerings that will be available from cz usa 
next year, 2021. Stay tuned for more on CZ USA shotguns, and you can always head over to cz-usa.com to learn more. And finally, buy Dakota 283 Kennels. Kennels built to last a lifetime. One-piece rotomold design, frame steel door, everything you and your dog need in a kennel for a safe and successful hunting trip. Speaking of Dakota 283 Kennels, I'm going to need another one with that new pup on the way next month. She's going to need a kennel, and you can bet I will be giving Greg over at Dakota 283 a call. You can head over to Dakota283.com and use the promo code PU20 to save 20% from Dakota 283. All right, this week's winner of the podcast giveaway is Joe A. Joe left us a review. He said he bought Tim Flanagan's book after listening to the podcast episode, and he let me know that he joined the Project Upland community on Facebook. For that, we thank Joe. He'll have some Project Upland swag headed his way very soon. Anybody listening could be next week's winner of the podcast giveaway. All you have to do is make a meaningful contribution to the show, leave us a rating, leave us a review in your podcast app, subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, or send us some feedback or a guest suggestion, or go buy one of our previous guest book like Joe did. We like that too. You can email me at nick.larson at northwoodscollective.com. All right, we're jumping right in. This is a lengthy, comprehensive episode with Zach Hine of CZUSA, one that I've been really excited to do. And more importantly, we are excited to announce this new venture, new project that we have undertaken with CZUSA. You're going to learn all about it in today's show. And it involves designing, building, and voting on your ideal Upland Bird shotgun, the end result of which will be two new shotguns designed and voted on by the Project Upland community that will be produced by CZUSA and available for purchase in 2021. I can't wait to see this project kick off, to see all of you participate design your ideal bird gun and to ultimately see what the community determines for a pair of ideal upland bird guns zach and i are going to fill you in on all the details and let you know exactly what you need to know in our conversation today so with that said let's welcome into the conversation and onto the project upland podcast of cz usa zach hine All right, Zach Hine, welcome back to the Project Upland Podcast. How are you doing today, man? Doing good. Doing very good. Happy to have you on the show again. It seems like, you know what? It seems like not that long ago that you and I were sitting face-to-face chatting at Pheasant Fest, but so much has happened since that time. It, it actually does kind of feel like it was quite a while ago. For me, I mean, it, I know that it was only a couple months ago. It feels like a year ago. Yeah. It feels like I've been stuck in my house for an absolutely incredible long time so yeah it's it's pretty wild because that was <laughs> I, I mean that was absolutely the last major thing that i went to you know as far as like an event goes or anything like that that was valentine's day right you know middle of february and then as we got into march things obviously got more serious and by the time april rolled around you know we weren't going anywhere but yeah what a what a wild and crazy few months it's been since pheasant fest <laughs> yeah you know it's uh you know I don't know. It's just a just a weird time. So yeah. in a lot of different ways. So well, you were on the show recently, and and I know we talked a little bit about your background and your involvement with CZ USA. But let's do a quick reminder for anybody that didn't catch that episode or uh, needs a reminder. Tell us what you do for CZ and what keeps you busy every day. Yeah, so I'm uh, the marketing communications manager for CZ USA, and so kind of all the content, all the uh, all the communications, all like the catalogs and. 
and the website and social media and everything we do, ads, all that stuff. So kind of have my fingers in a lot of different things, do a lot of product management when I, when I can. So uh, being involved with the development of uh, different firearms and suppressors we make. So, so it's a good gig. I've been at it for eight years, and uh, it's it's kind of nice because uh, I can do quite a bit of the hunting that I want to do, whether it's personal hunts, and then get to do a couple of uh, company hunts too. So, it's yeah. uh, it's great. Yeah, they keep you busy in a good way, from what I can tell. Yeah, yeah, no, it's <laughs> uh, it's kind of a dream job. So, yeah, it's awesome. So, being the communications guy down there at CZ and with communication being so incredibly important over the, uh, you know, the, as things have played out over the last couple of months, have you had people coming from all corners of the organization saying, Zach, how do I do this? How do I do that? Are you everybody's go-to guy now? Luckily we have an IT department nowadays. <laughs> oh, okay. so, all right. So while, while I do have, I, I do have the skills to kind of help with some of that, uh, we get to, we get to lean on our IT folks, but that's uh, good. Yeah. You can deflect a little bit. Oh man. With all the, I mean, <laughs> the number of meetings I do just over a laptop nowadays, it's, it's wild. Well, and like you said, we were chatting a little bit before we hit record you, the, the CZ office is open, but there's kind of a, you guys are kind of in this in-between stage, which I imagine a lot of folks are where yeah. you're almost, because there's so much digital communication going on, you're, you're dispersing and having some folks work from home so people can have their video calls and all that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. We, I mean, even if we have a per, uh, meeting that's only a couple of people, we're still not in the same room. We're, we're all, yeah. you know, in our individual offices or cubicles, just uh, participating that way. So yeah. it's, it's interesting, but it works. What's the word, if any at all, you know, from a high level coming from CZ? I mean, what things are you guys hearing and or seeing just as a as a major dealer of firearms and and you know a, a company like that doesn't move on a dime? So I know you guys are looking ahead and thinking and planning. I mean, anything anything worth noting uh, along those fronts? Well, on a from a firearms industry standpoint, I mean, it there's there are always ebbs and flows, and it, it's a sad thing to say, but. There's typically an up and a down that kind of follows election cycles. Uh, people get yeah. kind of hyped up, and and you know the buying, the buying public is kind of influenced by politics quite often. Yeah. And uh, when weird things like this happen, I think that first week when when thing when there was talk of of lockdown, of people being you know stuck at home, I think there were five hour lines at gun stores at a lot of places, and. Uh, it was one of those things where we went from having a you know an okay number of, of firearms in the warehouse to all of a sudden talking about bringing on a second shift to ship uh, just to get guns rolling out the door because you know we didn't know you know are these orders going to be here for a day and then they go yeah you know it, it tapered back off or or what right. so so yeah it's just just weird times and uh, it's it's from our end it's nice to have a bit of uh, you know a bit of predictability but yeah. uh sometimes you just don't and this is one of those times so anybody in the in the manufacturing business you know the more consistency you can have with your supply and demand is is certainly beneficial for you guys but yeah this whole the last few months have been nothing but uncertainty for the most part i mean it was it was day by day quite a bit for a while. it doesn't just i'm speaking for me personally it doesn't feel so much day by day anymore but for a while it was and that was that was unique. That was kind of a strange feeling, I think, for a lot of us. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I feel pretty fortunate because, you know, I I, I was able to continue working from home. And I, I know there are a ton of people out there that didn't have that option. It wasn't wasn't a possibility. And it, man, it's even just thinking about the uncertainty for all these families. And I, I don't know. It just, uh, 
it's been a rough time for quite a few people. So, you know. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely right. I've, I've tried to remind myself every day to be thankful. Both my wife and I, we work from home as it is. So I, you know, I mentioned it. I mean, the, the impact on our daily lives was so minimal compared to so many people out there. Like it's got to be thankful for that and, and really just pray for the other folks that have not had such an easy go of it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And try to do, do good where you can and yeah. help out the folks you can. So, yep. It's, uh, it's been an interesting year. It's been a very interesting year. Well, you know, with everything going on, this is another thing that you and I chatted about a little bit. It's, it's getting very hard not to look ahead to the fall season. I think I, I look at it with, you know, sort of this hopeful optimism that things are going to be back to normal. And I know that's, that's even, it's, it's dumb to say, because, you know, it's, we're talking new normal at this point, you know, it's not, it's not like we're going to snap back to three months ago or anything like that. But I'm, I'm very hopeful that this fall, you know, we have hopefully have some things loosened up and maybe some travel restrictions are not quite what they were at one point. And obviously what person that isn't geeked out about upland hunting isn't getting excited for fall at this point you know we got summer and summertime's fun but you know it comes right after that the closer it gets the more stressed out i get (laughs) i'm looking forward to it so much uh but but then i i I look back at the things that i got burned on so like uh in here in june uh we we were i think it was i don't know i just got my refund for it um and when we got locked down in march and then april i'm just looking forward to fj summit so it's this big Toyota off-roading thing. Oh, in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. And so I was looking forward to that for months going, you know, this will be the great getaway. And it got canceled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think, yep. it, I think it was in July, but it, it's canceled and not going to happen. And that was like going to be my, you know, my reset, my reprieve, my vacation. And so thinking about how like Kansas, they canceled out-of-state hunting for turkey hunters. They essentially canceled it. Okay. They said if you if you had already bought a tag, you could use your tag, but you had to come in and, and quarantine for 14 days before you could hunt. Yeah. And so I, I look forward to some of the things I want to do this fall, and I go, yeah, I, I totally promised myself that I was going to go back to California and chase quail because that was incredible last year. Yep. And that's, I mean, I, I would not put money on that happening. So... Yeah, I don't, you're, I don't you're know. right about that in the sense that the closer it does get, the more stressful it seems because, again, yeah, we are still, you know, looking yeah. down the barrel of yeah, this Yeah, the longer gun, so this goes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so for a guy like me who's thoroughly addicted, um, <laughs> I, can, I can make do here in Kansas. I right. feel bad for the people who aren't in, in a place that they can, they can readily go out and do this stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a lot of a lot of my uh, my optimism is coming from from that perspective. In that you know I've got access to wild birds out my back door, so in a worst case scenario, I should should be able to keep keep the myself and the dogs on birds this fall. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, you said With dogs. The, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. said dogs. Yep, I so, said dogs. I think uh, we both both are on the same page this summer. Yep. So which we, might be playing into our excitement a little bit. It absolutely is. Yeah. And stress. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I, I talked about it on the, the last it or last episode of the podcast. I had Kellen Crow on and he's getting a puppy this, this summer as well. So we were talking about that and I've got a puppy coming home, hopefully July 17th. That's the date on the calendar. That's the date I plan to go pick up my second English setter. It'll be a female this time. Actually, the, this would be kind of cool. The dogs will have the same sire, so they'll be half siblings. And uh, 
I'll have two dogs on the string this fall for the first time in my life. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, that first one, it might be a little young at that point, but. Oh, yeah. Like definitely yep. getting good, good uh, experiences. So. Correct. Yep, yeah. Exactly right. It'll be a young pup for sure. Actually, a, about a month older than Hartley was when, he, when I got him. So I've, I've kind of been through this before, but I, this is one of those things I talked about. I'm definitely, I'm happy to have, to go through this season with a young pup while having an, an older dog to kind of you know, bear the brunt of the load and, and keep me busy while I'm getting the pup, the short, short, frequent exposures on everything as far as hopefully some travel and lots of hunting time, but yeah, it's going to be fun. So how about you? Yeah, I'm kind of the same boat. I've got, so personally, I've got two dogs now. I've got a, a wire pointer and then a, uh, Chesky Fosik, which is the, the Czech version of the Griffon. Um, and then I'll also here coming up this week, I should find out, um, hopefully picking up a cocker. So get a little lemon cocker female, which will be great. Cause man, I've, I've got big, hairy, dark dogs that get pretty hot in the, in the hot weather <laughs> here in opener at Kansas. So I'm looking for a, for a, a dog I can run a little bit, a little bit of heat. So, yeah. And just something different. I've always had pointers and, and trying out a, a flushing dog for the first time. I I'm getting pretty excited about that. So, yeah, that's going to be way cool. You have some variety and diversity on this dog string. It's going to be a blast. For sure, yeah. We typically and then we typically run four dogs when we hunt, so we've got those two wire hairs, and then uh, a and a GSP and a pointer mix that is just man, he's he's on fire. So this will be his second season. He's incredible. So on the cocker, English cocker, right? Yep, yep. So English cocker. What led you to that? Had you have you hunted over one? Saw what you like somewhere. How did how did that come to be? Yep, I hunted over a pair of them. Uh, okay, it's probably like. Four, four and a half years, well, four, five years ago, um, some guys, I was, it was actually for uh, American Bird Hunter, um, okay. which is Gundog TV nowadays. Yeah. And so I, it was the first time I'd ever seen a field-bred cocker. And uh, seeing the, the way they can go under the grass, like they're not busting through all the big CRP we've got here in Kansas. They're going underneath the grass just like a pheasant. And they are so much faster through the grass. And uh, seeing a little itty bitty dog like that carrying back a big old rooster, <laughs> it just it warms your heart. <laughs> it's awesome uh, seeing such a tiny dog that can that can really do a lot of work. Um, yeah, so I, that was the first time I'd ever been exposed to him. I'd hunted behind some flushers, but nothing nothing like those little little cockers. So that that's what I'm looking forward to. I can definitely picture, you know, I've seen it plenty of times in magazines or whatever, uh, an English cocker bringing a big pheasant back to you. I mean, it, it definitely looks cool. I can only imagine what it looks like in person. Well, and, and the way they, like, the way these cockers were springing directly up in the air. And yeah. so that they could see, they'd be they'd be jumping up to see where the bird was falling in this big <laughs> grass. It's just the amount of energy they had. It was just, yeah. it was just, it's not what I'm used to. And I'm really looking forward to something. You know, I, I love my, I love my girls that I have, but yeah. I'm looking for a variety. I'm, I, I'm not a guy who latches onto one breed and just sticks with that. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I love seeing all the ways the different dogs work and, uh, yeah, I just, man, variety is a spice of life. So, yeah. 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 I certainly appreciate that. And, and as a guy that, you know, I have an English setter, I'm about to get another one. It's, I, I would be lying if I said I didn't, I hadn't thought about, oh, I wonder what it'd be like to hunt over an English cocker. And, you know, fortunately I've made enough friends and have enough contacts to get to see some stuff, but I have yet to hunt over an English cocker. So maybe, uh, maybe yours will be the first. That'd be fun. Yeah. Well, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully we can have you out in this, this fall for pheasant. Yeah. That yeah, would be a be blast. Excellent. I'd love to get down so, to Kansas. Yeah. 
No, we do a lot of, we have walk-in hunting here that is just incredible for access. We have a very, very small amount of public land in Kansas, uh, but through the walk-in hunting access program, we actually have quite a bit that is private land that's available to hunters, which yeah. it's an incredible program. And we honestly, it'd be a sorry state in Canada, it'd be a sorry state here if we uh, didn't have that program. It's, there's so much private. So, yeah. So yeah, publicly accessible private land, that's a, that's a big deal. And that is, that's a those are key opportunities in, in a lot of States, um, North Dakota being one of the ones that I have hunted and I've experienced out there. I mean, it's absolutely, uh, I wouldn't, my hunts would not have been the same without that. What would you say your percentage is as far as you mentioned, Kansas, not having a ton of public land, but during a given hunting season, are you hunting 50% publicly accessible private land or is it would be greater than that even for birds? Um, I would say probably about 95% public, publicly accessible private land. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so strong, a huge last amount, year, obviously. Last year is a little different, though, because I actually started uh, – so I, I've joined one of one of our local conservation organizations. we got uh, Quail and Upland Wildlife Federation. Okay. Uh, so I'm kind of in a dead spot for Pheasants Forever. I really wanted to join, and they don't really have anybody here. And so uh, the Quail and Upland Wildlife Federation is is the the local conservation organization we have, and they are an incredible group of guys. Uh, and so I I joined with them a couple years ago, and uh, they got me introduced to hunting on one of our local army posts. Uh, so we have Fort Riley uh, just outside of Manhattan, Kansas, and it has a huge amount of land that's accessible for hunters. Uh, you got to jump through some hoops, uh, and it's kind of it's it presents its own set of difficulties. I mean the the concertina wire is is something. I mean, you know, if you're worried about snakes for dogs, wait till you get into concertina wire. That's even sure, yeah. scary. Sounds bad. Uh, so <laughs> uh, it's got its own set of difficulties, but uh, the quail there, I mean, it, they've got such a an interesting uh, thing going. And, and kind of the hoops you have to jump through keep quite a few folks out, which is not a bad thing. Now I'm talking about right. it on a podcast. I just ruined all the quail. <laughs> so. Yeah, there are there are some of those things where – you, it's good to ask yourself, you know, if, if you're having a hard time getting access somewhere or, but you get it, you know, think about those as barriers to entry to other folks. I mean, that's, that's a savvy, savvy tip, I would say. Yeah. Well, and honestly, last year was my first year. Well, so we've always used, um, these walk-in hunting atlases. So I've got a whole stack of these Kansas walk-in hunting atlases that we've we've used and marked up, and we'll keep years and years of them to kind of see, you know, we so we know what we've already hunted and what it was good when. And we use those for years and years. And last year was my first year. I sprung and I bought a an Onyx hunt uh, pass. I got a, a fifty-state Onyx thing. Yeah, it changed everything. <laughs> it, it changed everything the way I could where I could uh, scout from the kind of from the room. Yeah. So like the night before, I could sit and look and see what the habitat looked like on all sorts of different walk-in pieces. So these are private pieces that didn't get they don't get added to the walk-in map until fairly late. So I mean, it's late summer when those get added, and so sometimes so they're not in the print books. Sometimes they don't make the print book. Sure. And they'll be on Onyx because Onyx will have the most updated. Really? And so there'll be stuff those guys running around with the print book don't have. that It's, it's in the program. Wow. Um, but the best part in Kansas, I mean, at least how I hunt, uh, you're able to see what the crops are around it. You can see what the waterways are because you're looking at satellite imagery. So you're yep. seeing, yeah, that's a yep. row crop field. Yeah, there's some water. Uh, yeah, there's some heavier cover. At the end of that waterway, I'm going to find some quail. Yep. Uh, I'm going to find pheasants up on this. It's just, it changed the way I hunt. Um, yeah. 
and it, it made for a very good year. So, yeah. That's another good tip and shameless plug for Onyx, but that's okay. I, mean, I don't it, get paid for by them, and I love <laughs> <right>. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, it, it's one of those things. It changed everything for me. So, because yeah. you just can't tell as much from the paper and trying to coordinate the paper. I, mean, I know they use a GIS system uh, nowadays, and I just hadn't made the leap yet. I, I've tried, but I kind of effort, you know, Onyx made it easy. So, yeah. well, the big deal for me was, I mean, there's definitely something to be said about paper maps. And I usually have a couple of plat books floating around in my truck. You know, it's just nice to have, I mean, who knows you could not have service or not have your maps downloaded for that area, that kind of thing. You know, there's lots of workarounds for that in today's day and age, but what ultimately did it for me was the seeing the set, especially when you're in the field. I mean, it's one thing to be digital scouting ahead of the season, that sort of thing, which is great. You can do that from home. You can do that on your computer, but to be in the field, have your actual position on the map, and then you can see what's around you. I mean, that's just a lot different than flipping through like a table of contents in a plat book and trying to find the square. It's just, the process is way more sped up and seamless. And obviously that's why digital mapping and satellite imagery is so important, but it, there's a there's still a use for both. I the, think. the the one instance where it really drove it home for me this last season. So we're we're on a piece of walk in and we hunted all the way to the fence and we made our turn and we're going along the fence and we're you know we've gotten a bird or two up and I look at my onyx. I was watering dogs, looked at my onyx and went, huh, this fence is only halfway into the walk in. This yep. whole little cut down here up onto this. There was a piece of Milo up here, and so we ended up backing out going to the end and walking up through there, got a covey of quail on one end, got a rooster on the top just outside the Milo. And at the very end, there was like an old farmstead thing that we would have never even known was there. And it had a yep. covey quail in it too. And so, I mean, it's just, I don't know. We, uh, we're tooting the horn too much maybe, but uh, it just made a heck of a season for me. So Well, that goes, you know, I mean, that honestly, like Onyx is one way to do it. And it's one of the best ways in my opinion, but that's satellite imagery in general. You could be using Google Maps. Again, being able to see your position on the map and know that, yes, that is the pond that I'm looking at, you know, as opposed to like having to guess and carry. I I know the people that used to do it before we had these tools and technology, they were better at it and they had, they had their ways, you know, they figured it it out. They had right now, (laughs) now we're, we we have all this easy technology. Exactly. That's. You know, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. We're, we're dumber today, Zach. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Our phones are making us dumber. Everybody knows that. Well, it is, it's true. And I mean, I, I, I it's one of those things. There's so much knowledge that gets lost from generation to generation on this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, that's why I mean, being able to capture it and be able to kind of get some of those stories and those experiences and be able to pass down that knowledge before it's gone. I mean, that's, that's why it's so important. So does your dad use Onyx? He, he, he he actually bought it. He bought a one state. I was All like, right. you got to have higher ambitions than that. You can't just buy one state. He's like, well, yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Well, we didn't bring you on here to talk about on exact. We got, no, we got yeah. some, we got some really cool stuff to talk about today. I'm excited to get into it. So we've already carried on for 20 minutes here. Let's dive into it, man. Let's, this is kind of, I don't know exactly when this is going to be announced. Like you and I were talking, everything is, everything that we say here is very near the final implementation, but it absolutely all hinges on me. I got to get my work done. (laughs) Subject, subject to minor changes. But if you haven't heard about it yet, 
You will be hearing about it, seeing it soon online via Project Upland and CZ. Tell us a little bit about this project and what it entails, Zach. So I, I don't know. I don't even know why or where we were when we came up with this, but we were just talking about stuff and, and about how, you know, some people like different people like different things in their guns. And so the whole idea of coming up with a crowdsourced shotgun where we have this Upland community that all, you know, everybody kind of has their different ideas, but if we could take an average and take a poll and get all those folks to kind of come together and tell us what they want uh, and kind of theme it around, you know, the, the, the stuff here at project Upland, um, I, I just think it's, you've got so many people that could give input on it and we have so many things we can do at our shotgun factory that we could absolutely build the shotgun for project Upland. Um, so that's kind of where the idea came from is I think we were sitting around at Pheasant Fest and it just kind of was a point of discussion. Um, so really being able to choose and start at the beginning and I think we're out of the gate, we're going to do a, an over under and a side by side. Um, so that way, if, you know, it doesn't matter which one you're into, if you're a pump or a semi-auto person, I mean, you'd be a little miffed, but, uh, yep. but, uh, yeah, choose which one you want to start with and then basically run down the options. Um, there are so many different things we could do. A lot of them are just little things that don't really affect price. Um, but some, I mean, you could go with pretty elaborate engravings and, and pretty nice wood. Um, there, there's such a variety of what we can do. And if we know people are actually after a side-by-side -side with this grade of wood and this engraving as a special edition gun, heck yeah, we could do that. So, so yeah, I mean, it just kind of, we started talking about it and it, it bloomed in what is now. And we're, we're kind of in the final stages of building this, uh, this survey gun builder thing. Uh, and it's getting close. But uh, yeah. we're just, I think the engravings are the, are the part that we're just finishing <laughs> up uh, on what our options can be, which uh, the problem with that is now I get to see all these different engraving options I didn't even know existed. Right. Now I got <laughs> to order all these special order guns. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it really is. It's a unique culmination of a number of things. I think, I mean, I would imagine most listeners are familiar with the term crowdsourcing where, you know, you're polling polling slash surveying your audience to kind of come up with a, you know, the summation of everybody's responses to, to design a product or create something, you know, crowdsourcing is that's, that's what that is. Then on the other side of things, you've got this idea of a bespoke shotgun, which people, if you spend enough time kicking around this community and, and the pursuit of up and hunting, you've come across bespoke shotguns. And that's usually, I think for a lot of people, myself included, is kind of this thing where it's like, yeah, that's sort of like not realistic for me. Right. It's, yeah. they typically come with a huge price tag and, and I've even gone down the route of doing, you know, custom gun fitting. And I thought about having a custom stock built for me and that sort of thing, but I haven't done it yet. So this is kind of, it's somewhat of a marriage between between those things. So we're talking about designing a shotgun from the ground up with the idea that CZ builds all kinds of shotguns already. So you have many of these technologies, pieces, parts, styles of engraving. All that stuff is kind of, it's all in a grab bag. And people can go through and select each option that they want to put on their gun as they walk through this survey that will be on the Project Upland website and build their upland hunting gun yep. of choice. And yep. that's that's the idea behind it. As you mentioned, it's going to be for this first go around. We obviously 
with any like anything else, we could have thrown all kinds of options in here and made it too complex, but we're trying to keep it as simple as possible so that we can obviously pull it off and execute it, which I think is kind of a feat in itself, but I'm really excited to see it occur. So we have narrowed it down to break action guns. You've got a side-by-side and over-under. As you go through and fill out this survey, you're going to select right off the bat which platform do you want, side-by-side or over-under, and then from there you get walked through the various options and stuff that we are going to, uh, we will walk through that choice selection and try to give folks some, paint a picture of what, what yeah. kind of things they're going to be selecting for these guns as this show goes on. Yep. And so it's kind of from the beginning, I mean, CZ shotguns, we, we've been, we've been in the shotgun game for going on 20 years now. Um, as far as our, our partner factory, we've worked with for that long. I mean, it's, um, and so we've, we've seen them evolve and develop. Um, and we're, we're at a point where man, oh man, for, for the money, I, I don't think you'd, you'd be hard pressed to find a better shotgun for the money. Um, they are packed with, uh, features and I fully one PC and seed receivers. They're all kind of based around the same thing. So uh, when, when it's a, when it's a side by side, they're all built off the same guts, but yep. from there they can go, you know, they can stay plain and simple, uh, or they can go incredibly ornate and, uh, and even those incredibly ornate guns are a heck of a gun for the money. Um, it, when you see some of the engraving and the level of engraving, it's all hand engraved. Um, and when you see the level of engraving they could do for the money, it's, it's just surprising. Um, what, what they can accomplish at that price. Um, so yeah, it's, it'll be really cool. Um, one of the things, uh, these guns, they all start out at a base price of just over 600 bucks. So where you start at from, which is from crazy the very beginning, affordable. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. $605, I think. And, yeah. and then you basically start selecting, you know, your gauge, your chokes. Uh, we can run through that. I mean, that's so I guess let's can we jump into it. A couple more things before we just move on. I mean, honestly, this isn't like it's not such a crazy idea that you nobody would ever come up with this. But to actually have a company, I think that could pull it off and would say, you know, like, AJ DeRosa, creative director of Project Upland, is not uh, not a stranger to crazy ideas, and <laughs> and I don't know that this this idea was wholly his, but I know that he's he's obviously been involved with it. But to actually have a company step up to the plate and say, "Let's do it," I mean, that not everybody could do that, Zach. Well, it's one of the more exciting things we've been able to do. This, I mean, in a while, it's uh, I'm kind of a you know child of the internet. Um, I, I pretty much live in the internet, so I know how it works. Uh, crowdsource things can either go really well right. or really poorly. <laughs> so you could end up with a, an ocean liner named Bodie McBoatface. Um, <laughs> or like, I mean, there, there's another gun company out there that crowdsourced naming one of their guns. And it, while it backfired, it still worked. So, I mean, uh, it can go poorly, but there's also, there are also really good examples. Um, and the thing that I look back on, um, back in what I feel like was my early days of the internet, uh, was the, uh, the rally fighter. Uh, so it was basically, it was in, it was when the internet was still fairly pure. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it would have been a very long time ago, but they basically, the internet came together and designed a car. They designed a car that, that no car manufacturer would make. Um, it was called the rally fighter. It was based off of a, I think it looked like a Mustang, like a, like a, is it P51 Mustang? Um, and it just, it used a, I think originally it was supposed to be a turbo diesel BMW motor and it was jacked up and had a lot of long travel suspension and it just, 
it was is a gorgeous piece of engineering that the internet actually came together and I think they built some of them uh but they took pre-orders for them and it was just it was an example to me years ago of how the internet can come together and really create something special and different yeah. and uh I don't know I it's always kind of stuck in my mind cuz when you have a community who really cares about something um, like how I feel about the, the Upland community, especially the community that's pop, popped up around Project Upland. Um, I, I feel like when you have people that are really engaged and care about it, they can, they can actually come together and, and build something special that is special to that community. And that's kind of what the, kind of what the idea is here. Cause you know, we have an opportunity to do something really cool and it yeah. would be silly not to, cause we, we could have, we can absolutely do this. So, uh, why not? Why wouldn't we? Yeah. I think you nailed it there. That this crowdsourcing idea, you can do your R and D, and you can, you know, you can go as far as taking pre-orders. I mean, that's what technology, the internet, is making possible because you can say, we might not come up with this in the drawing room back at CZHQ, but let's go to the audience. Let's see what they want. And through the summation of all of these submissions, we're going to have a pretty good idea of what a gun would look like that a lot of people would be interested in, and that's obvious. And that, like you said, that community will then be able to take ownership of that gun, which would be really neat. Well, and the best part of this is it really lets you see the choices we're having to make. Uh, yes. Because when we're building these guns, when we're doing the product development on these guns, we're looking at what these things are, you know, what the cost is to produce and what that ends up meaning on the MSRP side. So right. the amount of hand engraving, the, that's a that's a guy's time. That, like I would... I fell in love with one of these engraving patterns and I was asking what it would, what, how much time it was going to take to get that gun custom made for myself. And it's 120 days. So that's, that's a, that's a pretty long process as opposed to a normal production gun. Um, so with this builder, you'll be able to actually see what the actual costs are and you'll see the effect on that MSRP. So like if you wanted to take that $605 shotgun and not add any additional features to it and keep it bone stock but you wanted to have incredible engraving, like the best engraving ever. You can actually do that in this, and it would yep. be an inc- I mean, it'd be amazingly low on price. You'd be surprised yes. how affordable. Relatively it would be. speaking, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so I mean, you could do the highest end engraving and barely be over a thousand dollars for the yep. for the MSRP of that gun. Yep. But you're also giving up, you know, fifty bucks for chokes or whatever it yep. is to things, yep. for all those little things that they make a little bit difference in price. So, so yeah, I mean, it's just an interesting opportunity to let people see behind the curtain a bit, you know, and, and make the decisions and we can kind of better gauge what people are after too. Well, and I'm sure you're no stranger to this, you know, that it's, I I imagine anybody that, anybody that produces things in any given market, there's a fair bit of this, but it seems like the upland hunting is definitely ripe with it where it's like you do one thing and all you hear about is, well, why didn't you do it this way or that way? You know, now people are going to have a chance to really provide some input. And this is going to be a fun experiment. It's actually going to result in a couple of real guns that come to the market. But CZ and Project Dublin, we're also hoping to learn a lot about the community and what, what are people's preferences. Absolutely. I mean, and it's one of those things when when you're on this end of it and, and you get all this input from folks, it. It's incredible the number of times that we get a guy that, you know, is genuine and, and wants to know why we don't produce a gun in this exact configuration. Correct. And it always, it never, never fails. They always go, if you were to make this, I know you'd have two sales right now. <laughs> Me and my buddy would buy one. And it's like, I need you and your thousand other buddies 
before, you know, it's just, it's so hard to know what the, what the overwhelming, you know, desire is. Cause, cause honestly, we're, we're a fairly tight knit group at CZ in general, uh, in the, in the product development marketing side, but really a lot of us are Kansas, Missouri folks. We do a lot of hunting around here. We, we travel to hunt, but honestly, the things that are really prevalent in a different area of the U S I mean, we've been exposed to it, but you know, that's not our culture. So they're, you know, just being able to get that input from the Upland community in general and get some different perspectives on what matters. You know, if, if wood quality doesn't matter, if they want a field grade piece of wood that has nice engraving, I mean, that's absolutely possible. So, you know. Yeah. It's, you know, again, CZ, you guys aren't a company that has one or two gun offerings. You already have, you've got a, a full line of shotguns. And I always, I made this up, but when I, when I, when I reference CZ shotguns in the intro to my podcast, I always say shotguns designed with the Upland Hunter in mind, because when a, when a shotgun is named the Bob White or the Sharptail, that's designed with the Upland Hunter in mind, right? So that's, that's the real deal, but this is taking it a step further and actually going right to those Upland Hunters, asking them what they want, and then producing a gun, which is obviously the plan. So do we know, we've talked a little bit about timeline, and again, we, you know, we've said it before, that things are a little bit subject to change at this point, but what does the timeline look like for this project, Zach? Uh, we're getting really, really close. So we, we, this week, um, we just got in the, uh, the engravings, the pricing on the engravings, all the stuff that's kind of been holding us up. Um, and so really we're, we're darn close. I, I think I have one or two prices that are still up in the air. Uh, the only thing people might have to imagine is, uh, the extra lightning. Um, I needed to get some, some photos from the factory, the difference between a normal, normal buttstock and a light buttstock. Um, so on our Upland ultralight is actually my first, uh, Upland gun from us. When I, when I started working at CZ, that was a gun that I bought right out of the gate. It has a hollowed out buttstock. So on and over under you, you, you have a hole that runs down the, the middle of the buttstock that has the, the bolt that secures that to the action. Well, on an Upland ultralight, they actually carve that out even bigger and it helps reduce just even a little bit more weight. It, you know, it's not a ton, but it makes a difference. So so yeah, um, there'll be some little bit of things that you just have to kind of use your imagination on. It's going to be a little bit lighter in the butt. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, for the most part, I think we're 97 and a half percent done. Yeah. So, and so that will be, you know, when folks hear this podcast, more than likely that survey, they'll be able to go and fill out that survey on the day that they listen to this or shortly thereafter. But then we're going to run this for, a month or two, we're going to run it through rounds. Do you want to talk about kind of how the how the actual crowdsourcing process is going to work a little bit? Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna run it for a month or maybe a little bit more, um, and then we're going to look at it and see where the trends are um, and see what what's getting the most interest. So so really, the the key is people kind of have to look at look at the features that you like and the features that you want, and you actually physically see what the what their effect is on the price of the gun. Yep. So you can see if you add all these super high end things, yeah, you end up with an expensive gun, but we want, we want the actual gun that people are, would be interested in. And so yep. we can take it and actually average those interests and find maybe three examples of each shotgun. So three examples of, of side-by-sides, three examples of over-unders and yep. give people three crowdsource designs to, to work off of. And those will probably more than likely pretty safe to assume that, you know, you might have a lower tier one, a middle tier one, a more expensive one. 
depending on what depending on the data and stuff that we see but yep. at some point it will make a transition and we'll narrow down to three exact specific options you know this is not we're no longer creating from the grab bag and and making one one-off guns for each person there will be three options and then at that point we push the voting forward yeah people vote for the number one side by side the number one over under and ultimately those yeah. are the guns that are going to get produced absolutely and it might be that side by side folks are more you know more inclined to want the higher mid-end stuff sure and there might be that there's just an option you know different options within that higher mid-end um so yeah it it just depends on how folks uh kind of take the survey so yeah so yeah we'll we're going to let them guide it as much as we can and we're going to try to create some different options that uh that really reflect the trend so so yeah and at that point obviously it will get to a point where there is a chosen winner, one side-by-side and one over-under will be the community's choice as far as the gun that's going to get produced. Are we are we ready at this point to talk about when folks might actually see this physical gun produced? We're really shooting to debut it at Pheasant Fest 2021. Okay. And so we'd have it there. We're uh, kind of along the line on this. We're going to try to do some giveaways uh, for folks as we do the survey. So this initial survey, we'll try to get some some prize packs out. Um, also on that second set of surveys, when you're actually choosing the gun, we'll probably do a distinct set for that as well. And so we yeah. we want to we want to kind of you know we'll, we'll give some folks some in, some incentive to be involved, and uh, sure. you know we want to kind of. Uh, get some things out to folks, um, but then we're we're definitely going to do uh, a debut at uh, at Pheasant Fest 2021, and yep. uh, right now we're talking about finding a way to uh, give away one of these guns, probably one of each at Pheasant Fest, yep. um, and it'll uh, we're still working out the details, uh, but trying to be involved and kind of giving back with those with those giveaways. Yeah. So so yeah yeah. Yep, that's awesome. We fully anticipate that folks will be excited to participate in this, but like you said, there will definitely be some incentives along the way, some partners in making it fun for folks and, you know, everybody likes a little bit of free gear, especially on the verge of bird season. Well, yeah, <laughs> especially when you're sitting in sitting at home and right. dreaming about it, it seems like it's 3 years away before fall gets here, <laughs> which that's kind of yeah. how I feel sometimes. <laughs> Well, what do you say, Zach? Should we walk through this thing and, and give people a little bit of, they won't be able to see the whole visual aspect, but we're going to try to provide some detail and some clarity on some of these options and what some of the differences are so that if folks listen to this, they'll have a little bit of background when they go fill it out, then Absolutely. Uh, they will they will know even more. All right, yeah. so we're going to pull it up. So we're at the link. Obviously, folks can't see this, but the very first option, you're basically choosing your platform. So side by side or over under. Let's start with, what do you want to start with, Zach? Man, you know, I used to be absolutely an over under guy. And a couple years ago, I ended up, I went on my first hunt in New England and I have not, I mean, I've picked up an over under since, but it, it, it hurt. I just, it's just not the same. <laughs> I'm a side by side guy through and through now. So I, I would start with side by side. That's absolutely where I'd start. All right, we'll start. We'll start on that side. Pun intended. Uh, number two, um, get ready to customize your side by side. Some options have an additional cost. All right, so we're going to continue on. All right, so first up, first selection, and we've got the currently configured MSRP is six hundred and five dollars. Just as Zach mentioned, so we've got options here now: twelve gauge, sixteen gauge, twenty gauge, twenty eight gauge. 410. We did throw in the 410. I thought that was 
perhaps not going to happen. We well, threw it in there. we've we've talked a lot about that about the different uh, gauges that we would actually offer in these. Um, we definitely want to do twelve, twenty, and twenty-eight. Um, we kind of want to gauge interest on some of the other stuff. Um, four ten, you know, it's not it's not as prevalent. Some folks absolutely love it. Um, right. folks like Dave Miller, uh, our shotgun prog manager, I think everything he shot last year was a 410. So that's not even fair though with Dave. Well, he's, he's too good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, it, it does help that you're handicapping him. The problem is he still kills everything he shoots at. So, right. Uh, <laughs> but actually that's a, you know, for this, for the sake of this, in that we're essentially collecting a lot of information with this initial round, it does make sense to have that gauge here just to see what what people are interested in. Yeah, so absolutely. What, what I'm looking at is we've got $50 upcharge for a 16 gauge and a hundred dollar upcharge on the 28 gauge and 410. Yep. So uh, what are you going to go with? I am thoroughly a 20 gauge guy. 20 gauge. I am a 20 gauge guy. I, yeah. Uh, eventually I'll be good enough to shoot a 28, but uh, <laughs> right now I'm still just a 20 gauge guy. Yeah. I, I hear you. I, I obviously, well, last year I shot a 20 gauge guy. I love 20 gauge. I've, I've been, I've shot a lot of it really in my life. This choosing a gauge for this thing is it's tough because you just start thinking about, you know, each time you make a decision here, it's like a little tree branch, you know, it's another oh, yeah. tree branch. And I just, I keep thinking about all the choices that I won't be able to make once, well, I, once I select. One, one of the things that we still haven't decided yet, which we might, we might add this back in. Uh, just to gauge the interest is uh, barrel combos. So we could oh, do yeah, a barrel combo barrel set yeah. where we do twenty twenty eight, and then we could also do a twelve sixteen. Uh, yeah. I know the immediate question from people are, "What about a sixteen twenty built on a 20? And I wish, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish, wish, wish. But <laughs> can they can they not do that? Uh, it, there's not going to be enough oh. material in the monoblock. It's just not okay. thick enough. So oh, there, we we build on gauge specific actions. Except in the case of sixteen, and then the four ten is built on a, on a twenty eight. So, sure. Um, yep. So yeah, it's I wish, but I don't think it. Yep. So that's an interesting one. I think for the sake of this, since we're having some fun today, I am going to select sixteen gauge because I don't believe CZ is offering a sixteen gauge right now. It used to be available in the Generation One Bob White. Not in the Bob right White. We do it in the Sharp Tail. So the oh, single really? trigger, yep, the single trigger, selectable trigger gun, we do a 16-gauge. Oh, currently. Yeah, oh yeah. But in the first generation Bob White, there was a 16-gauge. There was, yep. That's what I meant, yeah. Yep. Okay, so there is a 16-gauge out there, but all right, that's what I selected, so we're, we're, we're moving on. Okay, okay. All right. This is the uh, next tough one, and, and people are going to judge you for this one. Oh, this one is so easy for me. This is oh, the easiest. Okay. This is the easiest one of the bunch. So next, next option is trigger. And double or single selectable trigger. For me, it's double all day. Double trigger, yes, it's kind of classic. It's how they were made. I just personally, I really like it as far as I've never had any issues shooting a double trigger. I don't do a lot of switching back and forth. Basically, every gun I have now is a double trigger, so I think that probably helps. But I like the double trigger on a side-by-side, and I just I don't think I would defer from that for any reason. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, <laughs> but I know that, that that's my opinion and that is not everybody's opinion. Well, I think you're going to be, yours is the prevailing thought on that. I think, I think <laughs> most people are going to agree with you. You're not going to get the opposition that I'm going to get. I'm going to go single trigger. <laughs> I'm right, absolutely right. going single trigger. I, I like the variety here. So I, when I, I started on side by sides, I, I have a sharp tail that I, that I started with. It's a single yep. trigger gun. Um, 
this year I bought a Bob White because I need I need to actually be better with a double trigger because I've never yeah. never owned one, and you know it's I just need to be better at it. So so I might I might change my tune in six months after using this Bob White all year. But yeah, you know, that's <laughs> it's almost kind of silly because you think about like you know I think originally double triggers came from the fact that it was just. They didn't have the, you know, somebody had to invent a single trigger that would fire two barrels. So it was easier to have double triggers. And it's almost silly to think about why wouldn't you just want to pull the same trigger twice as opposed to pulling two different ones. But I, I'm just very accustomed to it now and I like it. And I kind of like the, not that this has ever made a difference for me and I'm, you know, I'm not surviving uh, based on my upland hunting. I'm doing it for fun, but having the, you know, the redundancy, having two triggers where if one of them fails, you got another barrel, that sort of thing. But that's, that's really kind of like just on paper. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's all rooted in the fact that everything used to be a a side lock, you know, not everything, but, but that's, you know, there are so many side locks and it comes back from, from, you know, double, double muzzleloaders where that external hammer was tied directly to a single trigger. So. Correct. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I love the single trigger. I love not having to think other than, man, I missed that first shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't screw up the second shot. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So next option is barrel length. And we've got three options here, which is cool. We've got, they're, they're fairly standard, but obviously there's barrel length is one of those things that, uh, you know, a lot of this, every one of these questions could be a, we could, we could post this on Facebook and we'd probably get, 200 responses but uh so barrel like 26 28 30 inch i went first last time so you you go first this time well i think this is a question that really comes down to the hunter uh where they hunt so how much brush how many trees and also what gauge they're using because the the lighter gauge you go the whippier the gun gets with short barrels so i'm a 20 gauge hunter hunting in kansas in big grass i'm gonna go with a 28 inch i don't need the extra of a 30 Um, but having a deliberate, you know, steady swinging gun, I don't need a real whippy gun and I don't have trees and and limbs and stuff where I, a shorter gun would be advantageous. So I'm a 28 inch guy. I like that. I'm going to join you on that one. There would be, uh, I'd have a little bit of inclination to maybe go 30, but on a 16 gauge, I'm going to be thinking about the weight as it is. And, you know, an extra two inches of barrel doesn't add a ton, but I've come to appreciate 28 inch barrels. I pretty much have that on all my guns. I like it. I, you know, just for consistency sake, I really like that, that barrel length. So I'm going to go 28 and that's, you see it a lot out there. So, and there's no, there's no upcharge on that either. So that's something to keep in mind. The 30 inch barrels comes with a $40 increase. So if you're, if you're going to go with 30 inches, You'd be adding some cost there. Now, if I have, if I was selecting 28 gauge, I would be leaning heavily on those 30 inch barrels and I probably would select them. Yep. Yep. All right. Now this is one, this is an easy decision for people. They're going to look at it and go, yeah, that's easy. You think? Because you think they'll, they, you think they'll have, they'll just be predetermined on what oh, they yeah. like here. I think so. See, this is a hard one for me. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a tough one for me. Huh. Um, so we're talking receiver finish. I should, it's tough because CZ has some, has, there's four options here and they're all really cool in their own way. You've got the black chrome, which if people have seen the G2 Bob White, they'll be familiar with this. It's, it's basically just looks like the black of the barrels. The whole thing is black chrome, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's like a, it's like a deep black and it is a hardy, hardy finish. Yes. Um, It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't rust. I mean, you could, you could put uh, water on it 
and leave it on it and it's just going to be a water spot. Um, it's a, it's a Chrome finish. It, it seals that in. Um, what I like about the Chrome finishes is, is especially that black Chrome. So it's a blackening to it. The, the longer you use it and if you hold it in a certain spot, it polishes up. And It'll get and a patina can, on it. Oh my gosh. You, you can tell that gun's been used. So you can actually get some, some, uh, character to it. And it, that's I, cool. I love the black Chrome. It's, have it's you gorgeous. seen, so, so I get the sense from the way you're talking about it. You've seen some of those black Chrome guns that actually have some heavy field use on them. Oh, Absolutely. he's going behind him. He, I, yeah, so Zach's got a rack of guns behind him here. The listeners can't see this. He's got some beautiful looking guns back there. Well, I'm in my gun room. I think only uh, three people, four people have ever been this in this room. Uh, but <laughs> so uh, what do you got there? So this is this is an older sporting clays gun of ours. It's a it's a CZ Sporter. So nowadays we have the All American, but this is a Sporter that I used for I don't even know four or five years, and I don't even know in this lighting if you're going to be able to see. Right. It. But uh, that black finish, as you as your hand wears on it and wears on it, it turns to kind of a uh, you get the silver coming through, and okay. so it really just has a really good patina. I mean, you it's. Yeah, you're gonna have a hard time seeing it. I I can pick up the differences. I really can see that it doesn't look like a shiny new Bob White, but yeah, yep. And I've actually got a shiny new Bob White. That one that I'm gonna use this year is right next to it. So that one I can see. That one's got a nice looking piece of wood on it. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's weird. I, <laughs> you know, I don't know how that happens. That uh, I, I would end up getting a piece that has some fiddleback in it, but <laughs> luck, I guess. Yeah, you might get to choose from a few of them. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I think I only went through maybe eight boxes, so I don't know. That, that's one of the perks of the job that, man, oh, man, it, it uh, yeah, it ends up costing me a lot of money, so. Yeah. <laughs> so the other options that we have, we got the black chrome. We have a silver chrome, which is going to be a, uh, it's going to be a familiar finish to a lot of people. It's that highly kind of polished nickel, nickel well, looking finish. And it's not super polished. It's, it's a definitely a nickel looking finish. Uh, so okay. it's still that same chrome finish where it's a it's a you know heavy duty coating, uh, but it's more like a satin nickel. So okay. we do some highly polished versions, but this is more of the satin nickel finish. All right, and on both the black chrome and the silver chrome, those are kind of your standards. They they have no upcharge on those, so you're not going to pay anything to choose those options. The next two have a a bit of a charge on them. Uh, the first one being the Cerakote OD Green, which Folks that are familiar with the CZ all-terrain series of guns that have started to roll out, they'll they'll know this. The barrels and the action are coated in this Cerakote green, and that's an extra thirty-five bucks. It's it's cool looking. That's probably not the one that I would choose, but you got some. It's not just for looks there with the Cerakote. You're getting some definitely some durability additions there, and you're really sealing sealing up the metal on that. It's like a it's a it's a ceramic coating. I mean, it, it, it absolutely uh, changes the, I mean, it's a shell. So it, it's a heck of a finish. Um, not my personal taste, but, uh, you know, it it absolutely serves a purpose. If you're going to beat on a gun, having it Cerakoted is a great thing. Uh, also, if you're somebody who occasionally does some saltwater fishing, or sorry, saltwater hunting, I know yeah, Dave, yeah. the whole reason this exists is Dave went down and did some Texas, uh, I think it was Texas teal or something. And... Uh, just the the finishes, uh, Cerakoted guns were so much hardier. So, uh, so yeah, that's just kind of the impetus to do a Cerakoted gun in the first place. So, so if you're really going to beat on your gun, eh, it's a good option. Yeah, and I don't, I know, you know, Ron Bain talks about these a lot. He's got one of the all-terrain ones, and he, you know, he's like he's a double gun guy, self-proclaimed, which 
I am as well. I don't do so much waterfowl hunting anymore. I used to, but when Ron goes waterfowl hunting, he he's going to carry this all terrain CZ, you know, and just kind of have that added layer of protection, which is kind of cool. The last option is the color case finish, which is a $50 upcharge. But at that point you're getting a case colored finish on your receiver, which most people are familiar with. And if you're not, there's a nice looking picture of a CZ sharp tail there that you're going to be able to see when you go through this survey. Yeah. So it's kind of a rainbow color uh, finish. It, it's it's just a very classic classic look. So yep. that's what we do. We do that on our sharp tails. Um, we've done some special versions of uh, some of our over unders with it, but but uh, really, I think the only place you can get it right now is in a sharp tail. So yep. So I am traditionally a really big fan of the color case finish. I have that on most of my guns. I like it a lot. I'm kind of torn between that and the black chrome because I like like the durability of the black chrome. I like what I'm hearing from you on the on how it kind of wears in. And I also like that I'm saving 50 bucks there as I build this gun. I'm having a hard time deciding. I think for this case, since we're talking side by side, I'm going to throw the case color finish on there, Zach. Well, that's good because I'm going the black chrome. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Absolutely going black chrome. I, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, the, the color case requires a little more oiling and maintenance. Um, yeah. and I, you know, I, I am, when you're running as many dogs as I am and trying to wrangle people <laughs> and dogs and gear and all that, I have on occasion not treated my guns the way I'd like. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that, that added sense of security is, is nice to know with the, with the black chrome. Yep. Here's a, this is a, this is off base here and I'll, I'll try not to do too many of these, but I know that the. I guess I shouldn't assume that I know. Does the Bob White G2 have that black and does it have the chrome lining inside the barrels? I think it is everything but the choke tube nest. Okay. So like the the action breech face of the barrels, the extractor, the sides of the monoblock, and then the end of the choke tube barrel, like the end the end of the uh, barrel where you would see like the wedge where and the choke stuff. tube would a butt up to basically yep. and then yeah. also the choke tube nest i think those are all still in the white so that definitely okay. needs some oil and some you know maintenance um okay. but yeah the 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 inside the the bore itself is chrome lined also okay okay i was just curious on that because again that that is giving you that you know those, those chrome lined barrels are they're pretty hardy as well yeah oh yeah, yeah. yep yeah. all right so moving on we've got uh we've got some some of the major things selected this is this is a big one and this is this is where the price of the gun can really hinge because as most people know engraving if you've looked at a lot of guns engraving can be extremely minimalist or it can be absolutely crazy crazy over the top so here zach and i don't have all the options to, to select in our survey and we of course can't portray them to the listeners of this audio podcast so we can talk about them a little bit and just kind of give people an idea that we're at this point we're looking at one two three four five maybe five to seven engraving options that people might be selecting from yeah so looking at my so i've actually got all the details in front of me okay uh, one two three four five six seven eight engraving options on a on a side by side um, so really kind of the thing to know on engraving with our guns, they're all hand engraved. So it, it's a guy with a chisel, um, engraving every little bit of it. It is, which it, is just crazy to me, to be honest, because I, I can see the prices that are attached to some of these engravings and to know that the price 
to, to see the engraving and then know the price, it seems like a crazy value for yeah. what you're getting. Yeah. And people will, will know that when they see the pictures, but. Yep. So uh, a minimal engraving. So the, the kind of the base level um, is someone like you'd see on one of our Drakes. So, or sorry, uh, in this case is a Bob White G2. Uh, since side yeah. to side, so it just has a little bit of, uh, just a little bit of, not even scrolling, but just some line work, uh, just kind of yeah. in the corners, just to just to break it up a little bit, um, and you know that's the base. It's zero dollars. Um, if you wanted to to upgrade and do a little bit nicer than that, um, kind of the comparison would be, you kind of have to look at our over unders to see the difference. But the difference between a Drake, which has minimal, and a Redhead, which has maybe three or four times as much engraving, so it has a lot more line work. It's kind of just a bit more ornate. It's still not crazy engraved. That's a fifty dollar upgrade to go to a to go to a, a redhead style of uh, engraving. Yep. From that, we kind of get into the the engraving styles we're doing. It kind of gets a little bit more confusing. We were going to add options where people could have no faux side plates or faux side plates. So a, a receiver that looks like a Bob White, where it's just a simple short little metal receiver, or a bigger receiver, more area for finish, more area for engraving, like a, a sharp tail. Yeah, the two clear examples are, yeah, the Bob White looks like your classic box lock, and your sharp tail looks like a side lock. It's not a side lock, but the plates make it look that way. Yep. So those are the examples for folks. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so we were going to have options for side plates or no side plates, but uh, it really is dependent on the, on the choice in engraving. So some of these are going to be highly engraved with no side plates. Some of these are going to be highly engraved with side plates. Uh, so from there, we jump to uh, what we what essentially is on our Wing Shooter Elite. So that's an over-under. Um, it has a faux side plate. It's it's all fairly ornately engraved. Um, I mean, it's 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 got big scrolls on it, uh, pretty much filled with scrolls. The upcharge on that right now, the way it sits, is 175 So to get a, a highly engraved side plate and, and receiver, I mean, it's, yeah, so 175 for that. But let me just clarify, that's $175 for a full coverage hand engraving. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's that's yeah, incredible. Sides, bottom, everything. I mean, it's yeah. it, it encompasses everything. And as you go up in these, it also trickles down to small parts. So like the, right. the forend latch, the bottom of the trigger guard, a lot of those things that we're not going to be able to picture in this in this uh, survey, you're, you're, those are going to come with it. It's going to have different ornate features that come with that engraving set. So then we have an alternate that's at that same price point, so another $175. Uh, it's kind of a, it's not as comprehensively filled, but it is uh, still that side plate and uh, ornate flowering gravy. I think that's 132. So we're when I when I say these numbers to Nick, he's he's looking yeah, at, yeah. My, <laughs> at my at uh, my Dropbox links. I can see it. So yeah. so 132, which is 175 bucks. Okay. Then we go to 133, which has seemed to have kind of been a favorite for both he and I. Um, yeah. That is a $425 upcharge. So we we take a pretty big jump there. Um, yeah. But that is full coverage of teeny tiny little line work. I mean, it's lots yeah. of scrolls and roses, and it's uh, it's neat. That's, that's yeah, it's yeah. I'm not I'm not an expert on all the engraving styles or anything, but the the thing that came to my mind is what Zach said. I mean, there are there are flowers in it, so it's kind of a rose and scroll. It's really a beautiful full coverage engraving pattern that it it caught my eye immediately. Yeah, yeah. So 425 bucks. It it has no side plates, so it's very minimal receiver, kind of like the Bob White, um, yeah. and I which I absolutely love. Um, it doesn't add any weight. 
So you're not adding those metal side plates. So you, you end, I mean, it just kind sure. of is a difference in that also. Uh, the next is 134, which you guys are going to have such an easier time of this than we are, but uh, you'll actually be able to see them. But uh, 134 is is probably my my runner up personally. Uh, so it has really big leaves in the in an inset, and then tiny little scroll work all around. That's probably my I don't know. That, okay, that's, a, that's the one that I can't I can't see that one, so I don't know. But oh. I like I like the sounds of it, and and based on you know our opinions have differed in at some of these junctures, but on this one we kind of think the same. So I'll take your word. Well, for it. I'm going to email it to you real quick, and that way okay. <laughs> we're going to move on to the next one, and you can come back to that. Yeah, uh, but uh, this is fun, man. Good. <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun. I, I I imagine the people that are listening to this and that eventually get on and take the survey, I think they're going to have fun too. Well, Hopefully I'm hoping they're able to take the survey with are. us. Yes. So I mean, they're actually yeah. able to run through it with us. And oh yeah, that'd be a, that would be awesome. Yep. And that is absolutely the plan. We'll try to we'll try to time these things appropriately. Yeah. So then we go to 135, and that is fancy with faux side plates. And so if uh, yeah, that one I can see. Yep. That one is, it, it kind of reminds me of a gun we did. We did a two-parrel set. Uh, we call it the Super Scroll. Uh, it was a 2028 combo set that we sold for a couple years. Um, and this is just big, ornate scroll, um, a, a nice faux side plate. That's that's a good-looking one. Not my, I mean, I don't know, not my cup of tea. Um, that's 475 bucks. So it's just a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. That's, it's a nice, consistent engraving, you know, full coverage. Everything is hit there. I think that is an engraving that will, it will catch certain folks. eye. I mean, that's, that's a nice looking piece of engraving. All right. So last on the list at $500, which honestly, when you, if you, if you look at what's out there, that's fully engraved like this, this is, it's, it's surprising to me that the price can be this good. Um, I know, I know I'm the guy who sells the gun, but, but man, right. <laughs> um, so w- for what we're looking at, it's 140. So this has basket weave that goes around the entire action and has one inset that has really nice deep relief, uh, leaf pattern. Um, yep. and it's just, yeah, this is a really good looking one. Um, That's again, kind of like, kind of like one of the previous ones. Like it's the more I look at it, the more I like it, to be honest. Yep. Like, I really don't know. I don't know that I would actually select this one if I were building my own gun, but the basket weaving on it looks really, really good. I mean, it's it's really, really good engraving. And again, $500 sounds like a lot when you're talking about a gun that started at a base of $600, but to have a full coverage gun designed with hand engraving, for 500 bucks, I mean, I don't know how you could have it any less than that, to be honest. Well, I mean, honestly, if, if you just wanted that engraving, you're taking a $605 gun, adding $500 engraving to it, you got an $1,100 gun, and yep. you've got that level of engraving on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> of course, then you go down the rabbit hole. If you're going to do that level of engraving, you might as well put a nice piece of wood on it. <laughs> I mean, right, right. you know, well, we're not even there oh, yeah. yet. No, uh, <laughs> we haven't got there yet, but we're going to soon. I'm uh so I'm just, downloading. Yeah, I just emailed you that. You seeing yeah. that 134? I see it. I got to open it up the same way I did with that other one. All right, 134. It is on my screen. This is my first look at 134. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's that's uh, I'm seeing it on a similar pattern as we saw to 140, where it's got it's got a different engraving on the main body, and then it's got that inset where it has nice contrasting scroll. You kind of have like you described it. You have tight tight scroll on most of the gun and then you have that inset where it has kind of larger sweeping engraving yeah 
again, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what else to say, and we can't really do any of these justice, so we, we don't need to keep going on about it. But there are some really nice engraving packages that folks are going to be able to choose from. And again, I, I mean, I'll say it as a consumer, the price that you're paying for these for these full coverage hand engraving just it, it almost seems unreal to me. There, there's some really nice stuff here. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn between 133 and 134. Um, I agree. I don't I'm, know I'm right what there the answer you. is there. I, I really don't. <laughs> uh, I am going to, for the for the sake of this, I'm going to select. Well, uh, actually, I have an option here. This this section is not fully built out on our survey, but we're going to add I'm this gonna price s- to the end. So we'll we'll add this. Uh, so you okay. tell me what which one you're going to go with. I'm going to go with 130. Which one is it? 30, 33. Okay. So 133. The tight and scroll engraving. I like that a lot. Okay. 425 bucks. Yep. So 425. So on on my survey, I will just select A, which does not have an upcharge. Yeah. But, and we'll add it at the end. Yeah. Yep. I'll do the same. Uh, and I'm I, honestly. Just to, to be a contrarian, I'm doing 134. You, you made my decision easy. Okay, okay. So. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got barrel color. Yep. And there's three options here, Most mostly pretty straightforward. We talked about uh, the other ones. Uh, you've got glossy black, matte black, and the Cerakote OD green for a $100 upcharge. The glossy black and the matte black are no charge, so you can go either or on those. Yep. So it really depends on what you, I mean, if you're purely hunting with this gun, you, you're, I don't, I, I don't even, I shouldn't even say that. Um, but I mean, if the matte barrels mean something to you, uh, if you don't want the glare, if you kind of want to knock that glare down, that's definitely an option. Um, yep. the, uh, the glossy, definitely a classier look. So it's like a deep, yep. deep blue. Um, but it's still got that protection of that, uh, that chrome finish. So. I have some guns that have kind of like, I would say, call them more mattish barrels, and I like it. Um, I've seen some, I'm seeing some variations in there. The this is a picture; it's hard to tell. The glossy picture on the one that I'm looking at kind of looks to me about like the right level of gloss. I like it. It doesn't seem like it's crazy glare on there. Um, they they still appear kind of like nice and flat, like they're not reflecting a ton of light. I'm going to select glossy just because I've got full coverage engraving on this thing and I'm, I'm planning on uh, selecting a nice piece of wood for it. So I'm going to put glossy. Yeah. On it. For me, I would, I do the same. Um, the, okay. the matte black is what we, we use on our upland ultralight, the standard upland ultralight. Um, it, it's a great finish. It, it's just, you know, if I'm going to, I'm going to be doing some engraving on this thing. Yeah. Obviously, I want to make it, you know, a little flashier. Not much. If you were thinking about waterfowl, well, if you were thinking about waterfowl, you'd probably be leaning towards the Cerakote, but you could definitely do a you could do a matte finish and save yourself a hundred bucks and Absolutely. get rid of the glare on that too. Yeah. But do you know so am I am I gathering from you that on the Bob White G two, because I've obviously seen that up close and personal, are those the glossy barrels? Yep. So that's a glossy. Okay. It's kinda of like a semi gloss. I mean it's not it's not shiny. It's not a deep polish. No. Yeah, I like I like the way that that looks, so I'd go with that all day. Yeah. All right, next one. This is a good one, and this one is actually this is kind of functional. This involves your sight picture, but we're talking the rib, and we've got a few options here. A being a sunken rib, which is sometimes also called a swamped game style rib. We've got an eight millimeter flat rib and a ten millimeter flat rib. 
the eight and 10 millimeters, that's the width. That is not how much they're raised, right, Zach? Correct. Yeah, that's just the okay. width of So I have become, because of the guns that I have in my safe, I have become accustomed to shooting a swamped game rib, and I like it. I do think there's there's a pretty good bit of theory behind the fact that a raised rib can kind of aid your shooting a little bit. But when you're talking shooting game birds in the field, we're talking instinctive wing shooting. And I'm really looking at this as far as a, as a game gun. So I'm going to go with the swamped game rib, but a lot of people uh, probably would probably would prefer more of a raised rib. Yeah. And I, and I absolutely think it has a place in, in the upland hunting world. Um, I kind of, when I started getting serious about shotgunning and kind of following Dave around a bit and doing some sporting clays, the higher the rib, the more it pushes the gun out away from your sight. So you actually have a clearer picture. But but when you're shooting, you know, when you're instinctively shooting birds, it's just, it's different. Um, but uh, I'm also kind of a chicken. Uh, I don't own a sunken rib gun. I, yeah. I kind of all, I own all stuff that uh, that has a raised rib. And so I would go with the eight eight millimeter just because I might take this sporting clay shooting and it might be something where I'm, I'm in a stand and, and I need a bit more sight. So I, I'm going to kind of be a chicken and go with the eight millimeter raised rib. That's probably something that, especially if you're, if you're new to the game or you haven't bought a lot of guns, you probably haven't thought a lot about swamped game ribs or raised ribs. Most of what you're going to see are raised ribs, you know, on most guns, especially if you're if you're shooting anything other than a side by side, I mean it's almost always a raised rib of some kind because you've yeah. got a single plane, so it's just totally different. So if you're if anybody's designing in the side by side and they're kind of unsure, I would I'd probably steer you towards a raised rib. Yeah, but, it's a happy medium. Uh, the yeah. ten millimeter, the the wide flat, I'm that might be an option that disappears off the side by sides. I'm not quite sure. Uh, okay. But we but when we do a target gun, there are a lot of times we do a big flat wide rib. Um, and it's just, it does add some weight. It makes the gun swing a little bit more smoothly. Um, and it also just gives you a nice big flat plane to, to index with your eye. I mean, you're not indexing, but you know, it's, it's just kind of a flat plane going down the, the barrel. So, okay. All right. Next option here is the front bead. This one's pretty straightforward. They are all the same cost. So it's really just kind of pick whatever suits your fancy. You've got a white Bradley style bead, Red and green fiber optic beads, and that's that's either or. You got a red one and a green one. It's not a combination or anything goofy like that. And a brass bead, so they're all the same price. I'm gonna go with brass just because I think that would look good on this gun. And I don't want a fiber optic gun because we're talking again in my mind. This is a game gun. I'm talking instinctive wing shooting. I'm not gonna be looking at my bead. I don't need it in the way at all. I'm going with a brass bead. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I I, I prefer a gun without a bead. I mean, as long as it fits you, um, it doesn't really serve a purpose for me other than looks. Uh, For that reason, I go with the white. It kind of looks like an old ivory bead. Um, I kind of, I would pick that for the looks. Cool. Okay, next up. Now, this is, this is an interesting one. Also has some functional, functional aspects to it. Chokes. We've got options for chokes. First option being fixed chokes which are going to be if you select fixed chokes you're going to get improved cylinder and modified yep then you've got a set of five interchangeable flush mounted chokes or a set of five interchangeable extended chokes in black or you can get that same set of five interchangeable extended chokes in silver all of the 
all of the interchangeable choke options, all three of them are a $50 upcharge. Whereas the fixed chokes, you do not pay, you do not pay any additional money for those. So that one, that's one that it gets me thinking because for $50 to have interchangeable chokes, that seems like kind of, uh, it's a lot of value for oh, 50 yeah. bucks to, to be able to have interchangeable chokes. It's almost so close to like, why wouldn't you do it? But with that in mind, I'm also of the mind. I don't change the chokes on my guns a lot. I'm building a Upland game gun here. I don't, you know, I've got multiple, I've got more guns that I need in my safe. I'm going to save the 50 bucks and I'm going to go with fixed improved cylinder modified because I'm confident I can hit what I need to with those fixed chokes. Daring. <laughs> my goodness a swamped game rib and fixed chokes i you know i i could have predicted this <laughs> yeah i bet a lot of a lot of people listening yeah. probably could have predicted that i i'm gonna go with the the five interchangeable flush um i've got kind of my favorite yeah. chokes that i use and uh for the most part i don't change them through the year but man late season uh the roosters around here are wily to begin with and yeah honestly uh at the end of the season, if I'm out hunting in January, a full full is almost what I need because they are, you know, they're getting up a distance. So I don't know. Uh, I I definitely go with a set of flush uh, interchangeable. Yeah, I would not get on anybody's case for taking an interchangeable choke system for fifty bucks at that point because that's a again that's a lot of value there. All right. This one, this is a cool one. I like this one. This is one that if people listen to the Hunting Dog podcast, they've heard Ron talk about this a lot lately. And this is something that CZ rolled out with the, and we talked about it on the Hunter's Happy Hour when we had Dave Miller on there. CZ came out with these magnetic extractors, which they are not ejectors. They are extractors. So when you shoot, they are going to lift your shells out of the chamber. They're not going to eject them. You have this option to have magnetic ones so that they are actually going to hold your shells in place so that in the kind of cool examples that I've heard, if you were, let's say you were duck hunting with this gun and you wanted to keep your barrels up and out of the blind, you can actually, you could load your break action gun from the bottom, keep the shells in there. They're not going to fall out. The other thing is a lot of times I've had this happen all the time where you, you know, you had the gun broken over your, over your shoulder and you just lean too far one way or the other and you know, the next, the next minute you're looking for a shell on the grass. I mean, it happens if you have spent enough time in the field with the, with a break open gun. So for me, this is pretty easy for 50 bucks designing this gun. I'm going to throw in the magnetic extractors because the other option is just a standard extractor with no charge, but no magnets. I mean, for 50 bucks, it's hard to argue with. I mean, it, if, if the dang things would sprout, I'd have uh, plants of uh, Fiocchi three inch number fives all over Western Kansas. <laughs> um, right where you're getting into the field, you could just, you could just, you know, take a couple, put them in your pouch. No, I can't tell you how many shells I've lost. Uh, just kind of getting a dog around, grabbing them before, you know, if there's a truck coming by as we're standing there on the side of the road and I've got shells in my gun broken open. Um, and I go grab a dog and the, sh- the gun's on my shoulder and all of a sudden I don't have any shells in my gun and I'm not going to find yep. them. I, I, I'm about t- 10% on finding those shells I dropped. So which which I don't like doing. So it's kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of a no-brainer. Um, yeah. I don't know. I go back and forth on that. It, it's a cool, cool feature. I would probably, for only 50 bucks, I'm going to add it. All right. Next up, 
we're, we're definitely taking our time through this one. We'll, we'll probably be able to cruise through the over under one a little bit quicker. We'll have to we've, do the, yeah. We've, we'll do a speed run through those. Yeah. We've discussed a lot of these, but this is obviously an exciting one because it is wood and we're talking grades of woods, different levels of figure and costs associated with the actual stock blank or not the actual, but the likeness of the stock blank that you would get on this gun. This is a cool one. This is where, you know, this Turkish Walnut, they're all Turkish Walnut, but you've got standard grade, grade three, grade four, and grade five. And this involves some significant upcharges as you move up through the scale. And uh, that's, that's pretty standard when you're talking wood. So walk us through the options real quick, Zach. We don't have all the pictures here and I can, I can actually see what I need to see for the sake of this discussion, but we'll have uh, we'll have more pictures when the folks yep. are. And I'm actually got, I've got a grade five. So that sporter that's sitting behind me that you saw here just a little bit ago, that's a okay. grade five piece of wood. Uh, so really the, uh, the vast majority of our guns are going to be field grade. Uh, so they're just a standard grade of wood. Um, yep. We kind of we you know people joke about it in our in the CZ community about the CZ Wood Lottery, uh, the CZ Wood Lottery. It happens on our rifles. <laughs> it happens on our yeah. shotguns. Um, it the 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 amount of sorting you can do when wood is in a blank. If it's a really nice piece of wood, you can usually tell from the blank. I mean, you know, uh, but you'd be surprised how many of those really nice pieces of wood sneak through. Because they're sorting like crazy, and you'd be surprised how often those things sneak through. If you if you pick through enough guns, you find a nice piece of wood. Um, so our standard grade Turkish walnut, it, it's you know it kind of it's kind of the middle of the road. Ninety percent of it is standard grade wood. Eight um, percent of it is better than standard grade. Two percent of it is surprising. So so you know it's just one of those things. If you keep an eye out, you can find a standard grade piece that is really nice. So, um, then you go to grade three. So grade three, we do put on a handful of guns. Um, the one that in the line right now that runs grade three wood, um, is the, uh, Supreme, Supreme field. field. Yep. Yeah. I've got one of those right behind me. Yeah. Almost every one of those Supreme fields that I've seen, uh, the wood has caught my eye because oh, it's, yeah. it is clearly an upgrade. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's gorgeous. So this one is, uh, you know, they, the, obviously the people at home can't see it, but it's got fiddle back the whole way, and it's also also got really good mineral streaking, like just yep. straight line mineral streaking through it as well. So, um, yeah, that is that's one that I was absolutely when I started seeing those supreme fields come through, I didn't need another over under, but I couldn't <laughs> not one. buy one. <laughs> so <laughs> I, it's just they come with so nice such nice wood. Um, yeah. So that's grade three. That's an, an extra 400 bucks to go to the grade three. Um, the next step is grade four. Just another elevation above that uh, is 700 bucks. Yep. And then grade five is a thousand. So yep. uh, for Nick's benefit, I can show him my sporter that has grade five. And it that's is, five. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nice. I mean, that's. Oh yeah. That side <laughs> right there. Yeah. That's like kind of what you would call, you know, you see people say exhibition wood. I mean, it's. And it, it's got a lot going on. The thing is, every gun company has a different terminology. They, right, they all, right. you know, everybody calls it different stuff. This is yep. pretty much as good as we get. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, CZ is one of those, I, I've seen, again, I mean, they, a lot, oftentimes they're on your gun, Zach, because again, you, 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 you do get to look and see a few and maybe, maybe pick out one yeah, here yeah. and there. But CZ, <laughs> as far as wood goes, in my opinion, has 
some of the best wood out there for the guns in comparable categories. Yeah, I see really good wood on, on a lot of CZ guns. It, it's so. surprising how often they're very nice. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, it, it hurts because then you, you get a guy who, you know, orders one and it comes in and it's just a normal piece of field grade wood. But, right. You know, it, it's surprising how often we can really, you know, make something special for somebody that, you know, it doesn't still yeah. doesn't cost a whole ton. So. Well, I mean, the crazy thing is, like, we're talking about this is actual wood. This, this grew on a tree. There's, It's unique. Every one of them is an individual. Yeah. And so we're talking about putting into categories and trying to price these things accordingly. But at the end of the day, every piece is unique, and there's there's going to be some, some variance yeah. within oh, yeah. each one of those categories. So interestingly, the picture that I can see on my survey for the grade three, like, if I could have that piece of wood, I'd buy that right that now. That was the because, first, like I just simply went up to the shelf for the Supreme yep. Fields, pulled the first one off the shelf, took that really? photo, and that's not even close to the nicest one. Wow. Yeah, because that what that is to me, that has everything I want. I like dark mineral streaks. I prefer, I like a little bit of fiddleback. I, I, I don't have to have it or not have it, but I like straight line mineral streaks. I really like straight line mineral streaks, especially coming through the wrist. Obviously that can, can lend itself to strength where you want it. Um, if it gets a little wavy and has some character down near the buttstock, that's cool too. But I mean, I like what I see in that piece of wood. I can actually see how, yeah, behind it's, I can see the concrete floor behind there. Yeah. So that's not a, that's not what, that's not a marketing photo. I mean, that is, you legitimately walked up to the rack and picked up a gun. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. I'm already flirting around with full coverage engraving and stuff. So, I mean, based on that picture, I'm going to go with grade three Turkish walnut and charge myself 400 bucks. Yeah. But with that piece of wood, how could I not? Well, and I think it's an easy jump to do that $400 upgrade. Um, going to some of the more expensive ones, it, it gets a little tougher. That's um, going to be tougher for folks. And yeah. honestly, I, I am going to temper your, your, your expectations here because it might be that it's more marble cakey. Uh, some of those, sure. some of those uh, grade threes, it, it it just has a lot of, I don't know if it's luminance, luminescence or something. Basically, the way yeah. the the wood reflects light is completely different than a than a flat piece of field grade wood. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, this one just has yeah, it's just got mineral streaking and a little bit of fiddle in it. But uh, but yeah, it can be all sorts of different things in grade three. It could have yeah. you know angel steps. It could be all sorts of stuff. But typically, a grade three when they looked at that blank before it was cut. It didn't look quite like a grade four or a grade five, but sometimes when they cut it, it's better. It might be, it might be on the lower end of grade three. So it's one of those things where you get this, it's this great guessing game. Whoever's grading that wood, he's kind of like a weatherman. I mean, he's right 50% (laughs) of the time, but you know, (laughs) so we're, we're hopefully hedging our bets to the side where we're giving people nice wood as opposed to, you know, disappointing them. That's the hope is that we're, we're always, you know, kind of hedging our bets there. So, yeah, cool. I'm also a grade three guy. If for only right. 400 bucks, that's right. that's my upgrade. So yeah, I mean, if you're gonna go out and let's say get a custom stock, you're gonna spend you're gonna spend at least that to make sure you get the kind of wood that you want. So um, that's that's pretty standard. That's not like that's not like super high or super low or anything. Um, w- next up is wood checkering. This is fairly straightforward. You've got laser cut diamond checkering, and then we've got laser stippling, which I'll have you give an explanation there, but these two options are no extra fee. So this will be, this will be pretty straightforward for most folks. Yeah. So, so basically a flat top diamond checkering. So both of these are laser cut. 
Um, we've, we've transitioned in recent years to doing all of our, all of our checkering is laser cut nowadays. Uh, for a long time we were hand cut. Um, but this lay, it actually feels better in the hand. It's got more grip. Um, and then the laser stippling, it's kind of, if you know about stippling on pistol on pistols where, you know, people are melting the polymer and creating stippling, it's kind of a similar feel. It's a more modern look. Uh, we do it on our SCTP Sterling, uh, which is a, a competition gun that's built for, um, it, it's a ladies gun, but it's also a, for young men who have long nets and kind of smaller frames as they're growing. Um, so it's a, it's kind of a, a more modern, unique thing, has a great feel in the hand. Um, Personally, I'm going to go more classic. I'm I'm a diamond checkering guy. Yep, same here. I'm going with laser cut diamond checkering. All right, now this is this is one of the last major ones. Yep. This is the grip style for which we've got three options. They are all the same price, so that's nice to know. So this is basically pick your poison, choose whatever one you want, and you're good to go. We've got your standard pistol grip that is it sweeps all the way down and comes to kind of a flat pistol grip um like a butt cap there's no butt cap on there on the, this one pictured but most people probably know what that one is then you've got your prince of wales rounded knob grip which is a kind of a it's called a half grip or a semi-pistol grip it sweeps down but it's round on the bottom really nice look to it love that and then you've got your classic straight english grip yep so this is where you can really divide people too so yep. just like the single trigger, double trigger thing divides people, this will yes. divide them maybe even more. They, they might be upset that you would do this trigger with this grip. So, you know, yeah. so what do, yep. what do you say? What do you do? Yeah. So that's, you know, I've always, my safe is filled up right now with all, pretty much all straight grips in, in my side-by-sides. Well, I shouldn't say that. I've got a Fox Sterlingworth that has a, that's got a pistol grip. I really want a gun with a, a Prince of Wales round knob grip. I've always loved the way that that pistol grip sweeps down and has a round knob on it. I love the way that looks. I really love the straight grip. I shoot it well. A lot of people will tell you that the straight grip is the best grip for double triggers because it allows your hand to move just ever so slightly to access that back trigger. I think there's something to be said about that, but I also think I could shoot double triggers with a Prince of Wales round knob grip that would be that's honestly is a really hard one for me to choose i'm trying to picture this gun in my head 16 gauge nice piece of wood on it full coverage engraving i'm going prince of wales or straight grip for sure it's a coin toss really i'm gonna make this one a little bit different and we're gonna put a prince of wales on it okay good good yeah one of the things that uh that i never considered so i'd never hunted the northeast um and i i hunted a couple years ago but actually, for somebody who's busting a ton of brush and briars and all that stuff, the straight grip where it doesn't catch as much, um, yeah. it also trims some weight. Um, and so that was really never... Con- I didn't even think about that. It wasn't that. a consideration for me before. But, but yeah. you know, it's one of those things. As a Kansas kid, I never thought about it. I just thought, you know, yeah, it allows you to sl- you, you know slide your hand back and hit the second trigger. Um, yeah. But it also cuts weight. It eliminates the mass. Um, that wrist, depending on what gauge you're going with, if you're going with a 28 gauge, it gets really tiny. That's a it. That oh, yeah. little wrist on it is just. It kind of makes it a, a more petite gun. The thing is, I still because I'm a single trigger guy, I'm still going with a pistol grip. I might get a little hate, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one, end style. We've got two choices here again, like the grip. There is no added cost for either or. This one, I kind of feel like, because I'm sort of a sucker for 
tradition that my choice is almost made for me at this point. I guess I did choose a Prince of Wales grip, but I was thinking if I had a straight grip and double triggers, you essentially have to have a, you've got to have a splinter four. And I am just personally just a much bigger fan of a splinter, splinter grip four in as opposed to the beaver tail. I think the beaver tail definitely comes in, especially if you're going to shoot a lot of targets with the gun and you got hot barrels, that sort of thing. Or if you get down into the sub gauges, some people don't like to have that slender of a, of a, you know, set of barrels in their, in their four or in their front hand, but I've always liked the splinter four end. So I'm going with that. Yeah. And if, if I had gone with a, with a straight grip gun, I would go with a splinter, but, uh, I, I went with pistol. Grip. I'm going to go with the semi beaver tail. I, I'm going to yeah. try to show this gun off. This is going to be one of the nicer guns in my safe. And so, you know, I'm going to take it out, shoot a little trap, shoot some sporting clays with it. So sure. Yeah. I'm going to go see semi beaver tail. I like it. All right, next up, we've got the comb. This is an interesting one, probably one that folks maybe would not have thought they were going to get into as far as being able to choose this, but you can choose a standard comb, which is your standard gun. It's going to look exactly the way you would picture it, or you could add a four-way adjustable comb. Now, the picture that I'm looking at here is it's a Monte Carlo stock where that adjustable comb rises up out of the stock. Is that... Yep built into the adjustable comb. So if you choose an adjustable comb, you're getting an adjustable Monte Carlo yep, stock. You, 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 it's a little bit deceiving here because the one we, we had available to take a picture of is an SCTP Sterling. So the, the dimensions okay. are a little bit funky for the for the specific people this is gun, gun is built for. But yeah, the uh, the thought here is it would have a little bit of a Monte Carlo and then it has a, a comb that can come, it goes up, down, side to side. Um, yep. So the you're basically able to tune that fit. So if you need more or less cast, um, you can you can make it happen in this gun. Uh, if you're yeah. if you you know over time you like me put on a little weight. I actually needed a little bit uh, more cast just to keep my eye behind the the uh, gun because you know my cheeks got bigger. Um, so you know it just allows you to fit that gun to the person a lot better. Yep. This is a really cool option in the sense that we're taking the approach of a bespoke gun where we're walking through here and we're selecting all these things and we're designing the gun to the way that we want it. But the one thing that we're not going to be able to do is put these things out one by one with custom dimensions for everybody. Right. So the guns that ultimately get selected and will be delivered are going to be, they're going to have a standard dimension. Yeah. And so in this case, in the very preliminary stages, when you're looking at it, if you know that you're a person that you're, you need different dimensions than quote unquote standard dimensions and you need them significantly, you could go ahead and select the adjustable comb and kind of see where that goes. You know, who knows what the final gun is going to turn out to look like. But for me personally, I know that I'm going to be able to shoot standard dimensions well enough to my satisfaction. So I'm going to select that. I'm not going to, the adjustable comb is $150 upcharge. I like the ability to fine tune and I actually would be curious about, about shooting a gun like that someday, but I'm going to select standard, but the options there for folks. Same for me. I, I, I like that the options there, I like that it allows people. So even, even if you're a lefty, you could get one of these guns that is cast off for a right-handed shooter, get it with an right. adjustable comb, slide that comb over a little bit, maybe put some adjustable butt plate, butt plate hardware on it and be able to shoot it as a lefty. So, yep. I mean, there, that is an option there. It's kind of just to gauge how many people might want this on a sporting gun. Um, because I don't, it, it adds weight, it adds complexity. Anytime you do that for a for a hunting gun, you know, it may not be ideal, but it might yeah. be that people want that adjustability and want to be able to tune it to them. 
Um, yep. For me, I shoot the standard gun pretty well if I add a little bit of length of pull. Um, so I just need a little extra length of pull. So I'm going to go with the standard comb. Cool. All right. Next up is the stock weight reduction, reduction, which we talked about this a little bit. Basically what's going to happen here is the butt stock will be hollowed out around that hole for the through bolt. So you're going to get a little bit of weight reduction in the stock, which will reduce the overall weight of the gun. It's also going to shift the balance forward, which in a field field shooting game gun, not necessarily a bad thing. I'm going to def- I'm going to take the hollowed buttstock because I I chose a 16 gauge for this, so I'm going to be on the heavier side from the beginning. I'm not talking about a 28 gauge here, so I'm going to take the hollowed buttstock and reduce the weight. And the nice thing is that does not come at an added expense. Yeah. So, I honestly, I'm going to do the exact same thing. Um even with a 20 gauge with 28 inch barrels, I think yep. if if I had a 30-inch barrel, I'd probably want a little extra weight back there if I was doing a little bit more target shooting. Um, sure. If, uh, if I had a 26-inch barrel, I think I would almost want to really have hollowed out. So that way you're kind of balancing that weight a little better. Mm-hmm. So yep. the smaller the gauge and the, the shorter the barrel, I'd probably hedge on the, on the side of hollowed out. All right, next up, this one is maybe not something that you would think about for an upland gun all the time, but it's an option that we threw in here that folks could check out. You see it a lot on some of the older Continental guns, and really there's a lot of logic to it, and we're talking about sling studs for attaching a sling to your shotgun. Again, not something that you typically see when people are toting around over and unders and side-by-sides, but some forms of upland hunting and and other kinds of hunting depending on what you're going to use this gun for you're going to have the option to choose whether or not you want to add sling studs on this gun and there's no added expense so the choice is really yours i'm going to select no for my gun yeah i'm a no also i mean it's if this were my one shotgun where i was going to do a little bit of waterfowling with it and do a turkey hunt with it and kind of doing everything i would definitely add them but i kind of i'm I'm a gun for a purpose kind of guy so Right there with you. All right, we're nearing the end here on the uh, on the side by side design. Next up is the butt pad or and or plate. So we've got four options here. You can do a thin rubber pad, which is a on the in the picture that I'm looking at. It's a black rubber pad. The other thing you have is a vented rubber pad. I don't have a picture of that, but I can picture it in my mind. Yeah. It's got the holes in the side. I think side it would be of in twice rubber. as thick. Uh, we will. We have photos of it. They'll be in the survey. Twice as thick as a thin rubber pad, uh, and it has you know the kind of triangular holes in the sides. Okay. The other option is a checkered wood butt plate, which is if you've seen that, it's typically a, a really nice look, a really nice finish on the end of the gun. That's an added $80. And then the last one is the engraved skeletonized pad. It says pad, but it, would that be, that would it's be, it's, yeah. it's, it's a plate. Skeletonized, meaning the wood is going to be kind of outlined with metal, but you'll still see some wood through yeah. it. Yeah. So you'd have a, you'd have a centered medallion in it in the very middle of the back. And then the top and yep. bottom are engraved. It has a skeletonized frame that goes around two pieces of checkered wood. So, I mean, that's yeah. a, it's one of those things where when we do a custom gun, uh, we do a lot of customs where like all these options we've been talking about, we, we do some custom shot shotguns every year, uh, for customers. Um, they might order that pad. They know they're going to, uh, put a, you know, kick ease on it or whatever. Um, but, uh, you could hang that up on your, on your bulletin board at work and be able to look at a, a piece of your shotgun and you can't can't hang your your gun behind you like i can't here in my home office but 
you can yeah. at least have a little <laughs> bit of something to look at and think about fall. Yeah. That's, I, I, I like the options there. The skeletonized um, plate on the end of it is an extra $125. So you got some cost there with the checkered wood and the engraved skeletonized pad. There was some talk at one point about a red rubber pad. Is that in or out, Zach? I think at this point it's out. We've been we've been talking with them. We've been trying. Um, I'm a huge fan of the kind of classic. Yeah, I saw it on your gun yeah, there. I've yep. got it on my Sporting Clays gun. This is more of a uh, – this isn't quite the, the red that I'm after. But um, kind of the classic uh, – Cerevelli, I think, is one that makes makes one now that has an ultralight yeah. pad. Um, th- that would be an amazing look. I, at the moment, we can't make it happen, but I hope going forward there might be an option somewhere down the line to do that. But yeah, this is kind of a tough one for me because the way I'm thinking about it is I really like the look of the red recoil pad as well. So, and that's not an option, but that's pretty easy to fix if I were to get the if I were to get the thin rubber pad. For no added cost, I could always throw a red one on there if I wanted to. The other consideration for folks there is if you know that you're not going to do well with standard length of pull at 14 and a half inches or anything, and you you need to lengthen your gun or perhaps shorten it, you probably would want to get the pad because then you could you could shorten it. My dog is whining. Can you hear that, Zach? <laughs> well, we've been on for 100 or for an hour 40 now. So <laughs> yeah, I know, but. Anyways, I've upgraded the wood, so I really want to. I really am tempted to do the checkered wood butt plate because then I'm saving all that upgraded wood. I'm not cutting any off of it. I think at this point I'm going to do that for the sake of this discussion. I'm going to go. I'm going to add the eighty bucks because I've upgraded my wood. I'm going to do a checkered wood plate. I'd, the skeletonized pad would be cool, but I really like the look of a checkered checkered. Absolutely, butt plate. yeah. It, it looks really good. The it does. I don't know if it it actually adds any extra wood. It's a it's about the same dimensions as the thin rubber pad. Uh, that thin rubber pad maybe adds uh, just a little under half an inch, uh, and I think the checkered wood would just be maybe just a hair under that. So so I guess my question would be is I was assuming that they would be building these guns to like let's say fourteen and a half. Yep. So if you select a thin rubber pad, they're going to take a half inch of wood off. Yeah, they're going to take it. But down if you to select that, a yeah. checkered, if you select a checkered wood plate, they're going to leave that half inch of well, wood on. That's there. still a wood plate, so it's a it, it's a oh it's, it's a, a crossing grain. Oh yeah, I got oh yeah. You. So it's a I cross grain, so it's it runs a okay. different grain than the the stock, and then they checker that piece, put it on, and then fit it to the outside of the of the stock. Gotcha. So it's still a plate. Okay, I I really like that look as well. That is cool, but knowing that, knowing that it's not just a checkered butt on the original piece of stock, I'm, I might be more tempted to go with the thin rubber, but good options there yeah. for folks to choose from. For me, I'm doing thin rubber, and then I'm probably going to okay. add a little bit longer uh, red pad to mine. So Sure. Yeah. 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 I like it. And that was that was the last one. That's it. For us. So we designed our side-by-side shotgun. It took longer than I thought it was going to, but that's because we had so much fun talking about it. <laughs> and I, I guarantee your gun's way more expensive than mine. You just have a more expensive tastes. Yeah, I do, I guess. I could tell you right now, my gun's going to be... So what? we got to add 14, 4, 425 like, to it. So what's, yeah, what's your on-screen? Like 985. Oh, you're five bucks more than me. <laughs> right you're on. 1410, I'm 1405. 1410 for a full coverage hand engraved gun with upgraded wood all the features chosen just like i like it yeah. for 1400 bucks yep come on i know 
And I, I mean, mean, it's one of those things where when we do it this way, when we do it as a production gun, even if it's not going to be a huge production gun, um, it's still a production gun. And so these prices um, were able to reflect that price as opposed to our custom guns, which I think start at three grand. You don't get the options of doing lesser wood. I mean, when you're doing a custom through us, it's going to be grade yeah. five wood. Um, sure. So, I mean, it, it's incredible what we're going to be able to do with this. Um, I just, I don't know how you could find, I don't know, bang for the buck, all the features you're getting. I don't know how you could really beat that. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm also the guy who sells the guns. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you what, I had a lot of fun filling out the survey. And just, I mean, folks will know. Just because you go in and fill out this survey and design your perfect gun, that doesn't mean that's the gun that's going to get produced. But the the point is we want people to go in there, have as much fun as you and I did yeah. filling this thing out, take some time, think about it, design your perfect gun, and we'll see what happens with the whole process. But, again, we, we really hope that people go in and have some fun with it and share it and get other people to do it. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, well, and, and honestly, being able to gauge what people are after. I mean, because – because yeah. you have so many different people to do so many different things. Um, it's one of those things you could go down a rabbit hole and it, you could design guns just for, for New England grouse hunters. You could design guns just for a Kansas pheasant guy. Um, and that's that's what we've tried to do in our line um, is really kind of find themes and run with them for specific groups. Um, yeah. But this will really let us kind of at least get a get the opinions of, of this community, which I really think it is. It, it's, it's been growing and it's, it's awesome to, to kind of be a part of it and kind of help it grow and, and do what we can. So, all right, let me ask you this, Zach, because we did, that did take quite a bit longer than I was anticipating, but again, it was, it was a blast. We went into deep detail on most of that stuff. I don't know. I think you're more familiar with it. How different would it be had we selected the over-under? I mean, most of the options would be the same. Most are going to be the same. Uh, some of the little things that would be different is you're able to choose between a steel receiver and an aluminum receiver. So like okay. on our Upland Ultralight, uh, the gun that I – that was my over-under that I, I used for years. Um, it trims quite a bit of weight going to an aluminum receiver. Um, with that, you're only able to choose extractors. If you choose the steel receiver, you can get ejectors. So uh, you can do the magnetic ejectors. You can do magnetic extractors. Um, that's the biggest difference. I don't think you're going to find much that would be different than that. You, really, the difference in the receiver types and then the uh, the ejectors, being able to have ejectors. We don't have an ejector side-by-side -side yet. So Okay. I guess for the sake of this, we can... Why don't I just run through this real quick, just to make sure we didn't miss anything. So we're selecting our gauge. We did that one. Barrel length, same barrel options. Receiver material, steel versus mm -hmm. aluminum. You talked about that. You've got your weight reduction in one. Shell removal, standard extractor or magnetic extractor. There would be an ejector in there had you selected a steel receiver, correct? correct? Yep. Yep. Okay. So there's that. Then we've got barrel mid-ribs. That's a little bit different. Yeah. There's... There's no cost on that selection, so it's not a major decision, but you can run through that. you got vented midribs and solid midribs. Yeah, so on over-unders, you also have that option. You can go with a solid midrib, a vented midrib, or a no midrib. You can go with a delete, which uh, we do the delete on our Drake and on our Upland Ultralight just to cut that weight. It makes it a little bit whippier, like you, you have a little more barrel speed and a little less deliberate motion of it, uh, but it also reduces the weight a good deal. Um, a vented midrib kind of... 
Um, it, it eliminates a little bit of weight. It also kind of dissipates some heat better if you're shooting sporting clays uh, and really putting a lot of, like putting a lot of heat in the barrels. Um, and then the solid midrib is a really kind of classy, classic look. So the way the bottom of a side-by-side looks, that's what it looks like on these over-unders. It's just a solid, solid midrib. It does add some weight. So on my personal guns, I really like the no midrib. I like that, uh, that less weight. The, the Upland Ultralight's kind of where I came from in the, in the over-under side, and I, I love it. So Okay, finishes are roughly the same. Looks like you've got a, you've got a Cerakote black option if you have an aluminum receiver on the over-under. So you have a little bit of option selecting there. Engraving patterns, again, we can't show people those listening to this podcast anyway, so some will probably be the same. Will there be any different ones? Yeah, they'll be just slightly different. There won't be a huge difference between them. Most of the patterns are going to go across. Um, Yeah, and so sometimes you'll see that it'll be a picture, even if you're in the side-by-sides, you'll see a picture of an over-under just because we're kind of limited on what we had on hand. But uh, but yeah, Um, so most of those will be the same. We talked about that at length. Barrel color, we talked about that. Those are the same top rib we talked about that front bead chokes interchangeable extended chokes which are going to be probably more popular on the over underside of things the wood grade checkering grip style foreign style oh foreign style is going to be a little different on your over under which most people can kind of picture that a little bit We've got the upland style which in my opinion that one looks really nice and then you got a full size and then a stylized so a couple of different options there on the forehand same comb options stock weight reduction sling studs butt pad butt plate and that is that yep. so i'd say we covered it all zach i think so i think so but uh you know it's, it's one of those things where we have so many different options when you look at our catalog the, the just the list of, of models is staggering. So, um, so you know, this is kind of a way to incorporate all those different features into a user selectable thing. It just, I don't know, it made a lot of sense to me that, that this would be a really cool thing to, to have the community do. Yep. Right there with you. I'm excited to see this whole project play out. I'm really excited for people to get their hands on it, go and start taking the surveys, and like I said, share share kind of their dream guns, what they have designed, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Do you know if this survey is going to be on the Project Upland website? Yeah, it should be. Okay. Yep. All right. Yeah, it should be there, and we'll we'll share it on our Facebook page. I think it'll it'll be all sorts of different places for people to run into it, but uh, but yeah. Yeah, once we get this thing up and built and ready and finally tuned, which will be very near uh, or at the same time that we release this podcast, you will not have any troubles finding this gun design survey. So head over to projectupland.com, fill it out, and design your dream Upland Bird gun today. Zach, with that said, man, we talked at length. I look forward to uh, working with you through the rest of this project. This is going to be a ton of fun. And I'm already excited to perhaps see the uh, see the final iteration of it next next year at Pheasant Fest. Oh man, if all goes well, it's going to be cool. <laughs> no matter no matter what the community chooses, I think it's going to be a cool gun. So I can't yeah. wait to see what comes to the top as far as options. I'm hoping that my gun wins over your gun. <laughs> I'm hoping that my gun. Wins over <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> time will tell cool well all right buddy well thank you so much for taking the time to join us here where can folks learn more about cz shotguns and maybe check into what you're up to yeah um find us at cz-usa.com 
Uh, we've got a, a whole different set of social media channels for the field sports stuff. So CZ USA field sports. So Instagram, uh, Facebook, all that. It's more hunting focused stuff. We're, we're such a big company. We have rifles, pistols, shotguns, suppressors. I mean, we're a full line manufacturer. So, so, you know, we kind of have two different crowds, but, uh, but yeah, find us at CZ USA field sports. Right on, man. Well, thanks again for taking the time to join us. You and I will keep in touch. Good luck with that pup, man, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, I can't wait. Hopefully your puppy is uh, not as cute as my puppy. (laughs) All right, buddy. Take care. Thanks. Have a good one. See ya. All right, that does it for this episode of the Project Up and Podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. A quick reminder that the podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt, Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food, CZ USA, and Dakota 283 Kennels. Don't forget to leave us a rating, leave us a review, subscribe to the podcast, and share the podcast for your chance to win the Project Upland Podcast giveaway. And head over to projectupland.com for more of the Upland birds, dogs, guns, and gear that you love. Until we see you back here for the next episode of the Project Upland Podcast. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.